Immaculate Mary, your praises we sing. What's the next line? Alleluia, alleluia. I don't think that's how it goes. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome good, to- good. Well, I was going to say good morning, but maybe they're listening later. Hello, everybody. It's also not the Immaculate Conception when they're listening, but that's okay. We, we, we record this on Tuesdays, and so it's December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception of Mary. And this morning at Mass, when you played that, uh, the song, I, of course, I always find myself. You were just playing it instrumental. Oh, I did a little. But, but I thought of Sister Act. I did a little Hail Holy Queen. Yeah. I like to get some of those old hymns in there just to see if people are paying attention. Name that tune. That one, I mean, that one's a give me. Did you recognize the one I played this weekend? No, I did not. In fact, I was thinking you should play something I know. You did know that one. What was it? It was Comfort, Comfort, Oh My People. It was it was the first reading this weekend. Yeah. But See how what, much thought but, I put but into But musically, this? what version? The version that's in the hymnal. Oh, I thought you were talking about the one from Handel's Messiah. No, I'm talking... Comfort ye. No, no. Oh, that one's beautiful. This was the one... It's the old one from the hymnal. It's probably older than you are. Thank but, you. You're welcome. <laughs> Hello, you're welcome. everybody. We are up to the third Sunday of Advent. Yes. Advent just goes rushing by. Do you know what I got you for this weekend? A beautiful rose-colored vestment. And guess who's not going to wear a rose-colored <laughs> vestment? I've been trying for 15 years, folks. By the way, while I'm spe- thinking about this, yeah, I just got off uh, the Zoom Bible study this morning, yeah, and several people were watching Mass from home uh, for the Immaculate Conception, and I wore a white vestment with uh, a blue, beautiful blue uh, insert pieces. Yeah. And they said to them it looked black. And the one man said, why are we wearing black for the Feast of Immaculate Conception of Mary? <laughs> Maybe the white balance was off the cam- on the camera a little bit. We can, we can tweak that. You tweak the camera or I change vestments. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're wearing a blue sweater right now. I have a little blue on my shirt. It's the, it's the Marian feast day thing to do. I, I know, but I'm not concerned about in person. I'm concerned about those zillions of people out there watching thinking I'm wearing black. There were maybe a, a hundred, not a zillion. A zil- well, that's close. I was rounding it off. Well, the white, so, sometimes the white balance, depending, because each camera has its own white balance on it. So the room can take kind of, and and clothing, vestments can take a different color depending on which camera you're, we're using. And daylight affects it a lot too. So on a sunny day, it throws the cameras a little bit. Sometimes we try to balance them out before mass starts. I didn't do that today. Maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got an answer at least. Now, I do want to take a moment before we get into the gospel of this coming Sunday and talk about next week. Next week, the week beginning on December 14th. Sunday's the December 13th. So it's the last full week before Christmas, believe it or not. Um, this year, because of COVID, we are not having a parish reconciliation service you know with eight or nine priests as we've done in the past yeah but we are trying to offer many opportunities where people who want to celebrate the sacrament of confession reconciliation can come individually so we're doing a couple things monday of next week which would be the 14th is what we're basically calling a day of grace and at six different hours Mm -hmm. and i don't have those off the top of my head but six different hours uh, confessions will be heard at the top of the hour and until people are gone. And then the priest goes, takes a coffee break and then start, comes the next <laughs> beginning of the next hour. Uh, so there's like three in the midday, yeah. uh, I think 10, 11 and 12 or something. 
and then three later in the afternoon, five, six, seven. I don't have those. Is that cor- Am I being correct? I'm looking up the bulletin right now. Just give, yeah. me, a, give me a moment. Okay. Was it in this weekend's bulletin? Uh, surely. Okay. While you're looking that up. Yes. So it's it's uh, on Monday, December 14th. It is at 1, 2, and 3. 1, 2, and 3. Good thing I did not say 10, 11, and 12. Okay. <laughs> 1, 2, and 3, and then 5, 6, and 7. Oh, good. I've got an hour off in between. Uh, between three and five, I could at four o'clock. I'm going to eat. We'll bring you some lunch. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then on Thursday of next week, Father Al is going to be here uh, for two two-hour stretches, and that'll be from ten to noon, and then five to seven. So that at least people have a chance to go to another priest. We're using the chapel, and the chapel actually works very well. I've been doing that really pretty much since uh, since COVID struck. And we have it set up where people can come in through the glass door from the main part of the church. So yeah. you can always see if if there's somebody else already there before you. Mm-hmm. And you can be remain anonymous and kneel down behind the screen. There's a temporary screen. Or you can sit down. And in either case, there's a great deal of distance. Like when you sit, you're about 8 or 10 feet away from the priest. Mm-hmm. It's uh, ample space. It's safe distance. Uh, it also has good ventilation. So it is a good place. We still ask people to wear a mask. Sure. But uh, that's where the confessions will be taking place. And then the week after that, that through next weekend, the following weekend, there will be opportunities for confession as well. Yeah, different dates and times. You can find that also in the bulletin at 23.church. Sounds great. You know, the Day of Grace with confession starting on the hour every hour makes me wish we had a a church bell in the tower. Wouldn't that be great? Just the, the toll of the bell. And then confessions begin. Oh, I'm sure I could find an app for that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of churches nowadays, I've played at churches, there's just remote control. So usually, many times it's the job of the organist. See, this is why uh, the, I want what, one. What, co- confessions are remote control? <laughs> no, the bell. Oh, the and bell. Usually there's four buttons at the churches I've been to. There's like toll, peel, a couple of other options. Angelus is usually one. Oh, yeah. And uh, then you just press it, and then the bells start ringing. And then usually as the guest musician, you hope you don't press the one that sounds happy at the end of a funeral or something like that. Oh, I remember as a kid, we had that way back in the late 50s, early 60s. A remote a control? Well, there was a button, yes. Yeah? And you just pushed that, and it was real bells. Sure. Yeah. That's great. Okay, now let me give a fair warning this coming Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, jumps from Mark's gospel, which we had last week, to John's gospel. And although the fir- very first verses sound different because it's from the prologue, yeah, it's all about testifying to the light, the next part sounds remarkably comparable, uh, similar to what we just read a couple of days ago. I really do like John's gospel. I feel like it's the dress, it's like you put on your fancy clothes. Yeah. But just remember, it's John's Gospel, John the Evangelist, writing about John the Baptist. So I think sometimes people get that confused as well. Correct. So uh, let's read the Gospel of John. I'm going to read the very first part, and then you read the part that reminds them of Mark's Gospel from last week. Okay. Uh, Chapter 1 of John's Gospel, verses 6 to 8, which is what I will read, and then it jumps to verses 19 to 28 which is what Michael will read. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. 
He was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, What are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about different things. Are you the, are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Now, who are those people? Elijah was considered the great prophet, although there's no book called the book of Elijah, but Mm -hmm. he was considered the great prophet of the Old Testament. And remember when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain Mm -hmm. and Peter, James, and John were with him, who did he see? uh, Who did they see? Elijah. They saw Jesus with Elijah. And who else did they see? Moses. Moses. Okay. Uh, I, I took a little time to look up one of the references in the new uh, new American Bible and it says often when they talk about the prophet it's a reference to Moses so here it is both Elijah and Moses and so later on they are with Jesus so they they sum up the Old Testament and so in this whole thing when Jesus, uh, John says I'm not the prophet and I'm not Elijah he's, he's basically saying I'm no longer the Old Testament. This is, you know, uh, I'm a prophet unto myself, but I am not, uh, I'm not just somebody from of old, but speaking to the new. I'm referencing the new coming. And, and then, of course, he was also very humble and said, if you're, if you're looking for the anointed one, that's not me either. And the word <laughs> anointed in, in the Greek word for anointed is Christ. The anointed one is Christ. Mm-hmm. And the Hebrew word for the anointed one is Messiah. So if you call Jesus Messiah, or if you call Jesus the Christ, in either way, you are saying the anointed one. What's interesting here is he keeps telling people who he isn't. Yes. Right? And so many times we as humans try to convince people that we are somebody, right? And so here in his humility and his honesty, keeps saying, nope, not me. He keeps pointing somewhere else. And he, he's willing to say, I'm giving testimony about someone else. It's very countercultural to how we live today. Yeah. Uh, I, I really have come to know and love John, John the Baptist. But he does quote from the Old Testament. He quotes from the prophet Isaiah, and he says what he is. He says, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. So are you known as the voice? Uh, 
I think sometimes shoved back into the corner of it with my piano behind a plexiglass screen, I, it might come across that way these days. Yeah. I was watching a TV show last night. I, I have no idea what it's called. Where, Is it The Voice? Well, I don't think it's The Voice where they're trying to, the guy was known as an accountant and they're trying to, he had to whisper something and then they had to decide if he was an actual singer or not. Oh yes. That, that it's a, the secret, the see, see the singer or the secret singer or I, something. No, I think you're thinking of the mask thinger. No, no, this wasn't mask. I, there was, there's a, it's about voices. Your voice is in the title. I can't think of it yeah. right now, but it's it was like, see the voice. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I'm trying to Google quickly. So, so anyway, so I just thought we, are people known by their voices? Yeah. And I, of course, I can see your voice. You can, I can see your voice. That's the name of the show. Yeah. I can see okay. your voice. Now people do know voices and voices are distinctive. Very there was a time on network radio and probably even network TV early on where they tried to have everybody sound almost like the same. They would try to take out accents if you were from a different part of the country mm-hmm. or take out an accent if you were from a, maybe an immigrant so that everybody sounded what they thought was the pure American sound. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And now they, they consciously and intentionally say, no, let's not do that. Right. Let's let people speak uh, uh, from their own perspective, their own experience. I love the fact that we have many different sounds. If we have readers, I like readers at mass to sound like who they are. Oh, totally. Yeah. I use the image of the voice uh, quite often if I'm giving a talk about um, prayer or about singing or worship along those lines. And I, I usually use the image. I ask everybody to kind of close their eyes and picture you know, someone that they intimately know in their lives could be a parent or a best friend, a sibling, significant other. Um, and if they were to walk into a room and you are not facing them, but they just started talking, you would immediately know who they are just based on the sound of their voice. In fact, usually I go on to say that even with your eyes closed right now, you can probably hear the sound of their voice. Um, maybe even for somebody that has died, I can still hear my dad's voice. I can tell you what that, what his voice sounds like. Um, and the voice is such a, a specific part of who we are, the timbre of our voice, the specific, um, way it sounds. And so usually I'll go on to say that if, if we as humans can decipher voices in that way, imagine how God can decipher our own unique voices in our prayer lives, in worship, in whatever it may be. Um, so John said, I am the voice. I am, he's quoting Isaiah, but I am the voice of one crying out in the desert. So he's the voice that says there's something happening. And I, I love to hear the voice over the wind. You know, it's almost like if you're outside before on a kind of a windy day and you, you kind of hear somebody shouting or something over mm-hmm. the, and you want to hone in on that. I want to say, hello, uh, what, what's he saying? What's that voice or what's she saying? Yeah. And, and that's what Jesus or John is saying. Listen to the voice. That's true, because how many times do we hear things, but we're not actually listening to what's happening? I do that with my kids all the time. Selective uh, hearing, selective listening. Well, I think sometimes when you get talked at so much, it's easy just to tune things out. Yeah. My mom did that to me once. We were driving on the turnpike going to visit my uncle, and there we were in stop-and-go traffic, 
and the traffic in front of us was stopped, but my mom was still going. And I said, mom, that car stopped, mom, that car stopped, mom, that car is stopped. And we bumped in gently to the bumper of the car. So in front eventually of us. her car was stopped too. <laughs> right. And I said, didn't you hear me? And she said, I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> yeah. I recall an incident that took place, um, maybe 20 years ago when I was pastor at St. Peter's in Mansfield, uh, there was a woman, Linda, and she and her husband fostered a number of kids. And one of the kids was extremely uh, needy, both physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. And he could not do a whole lot. He was probably a teenager, but he could not do a whole lot. But she would often bring him along, and he would sit there in the kitchen while she prepared a meal. And she would only come if there were several of us there. And she was a wonderful cook. Well, one time Bishop Donnelly was there, and I, I asked him to stay for dinner. And after the meal was over, Bishop Donnelly said, he, he was there when, when Linda was preparing the meal and this young guy was sitting there. And Bishop Donnelly noticed that whenever I spoke, the young guy responded to my words. He knew my voice. Hmm. I don't think he responded to the words. He responded to the voice. Yeah. You know, because he was incapable of probably comprehending the words. But I did not notice it, but the bishop did. And he said, he said he got a kick out of watching how uh, it was almost like a soothing thing that this young man he had been around often enough that somehow my voice was acceptable to him. You know, as we're talking about this, it reminds me of that other passage where Jesus himself says, my sheep know my voice. Yes. Right, that we are to be tuned into him. Also John's gospel, by the way. See, I told you I like John's gospel. Chapter 10. So, but that we know him so intimately that we know his voice when it calls. So here we are, very similar to last week. It's a little bit more, uh, what would I say, a little more uh, colorful in the sense you've got the priest and the Levites asking, well, who are you and what are you doing? I love this. It doesn't start off by the, them saying to John the Baptist, who are you? They say, what are you? Mm. Did you see that? The first line is, what are you? <laughs> People ask me that a lot too. Yeah. And, but it's almost, but that in itself is significant because they saw him somehow as an icon for something. What do you represent? What uh, aspect of our faith uh, is embodied in you? Then later on, they say, who are you? But it was, first of all, the, the challenge came from the priests and the Levites. And then later on, it comes from the Pharisees. So they keep asking, okay, you're not the prophet. You're not Elijah. Then why do you baptize? Now, again, the answer is I baptize with water, but one coming after me. And this is a little different from Mark's gospel from last week. Because last week he said, I would, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Right. Here it says, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize. And did you notice? It's the present tense. It's not the future. He's not saying there will be one among you. He's saying it's happening right now. Yeah, it's happening right now. There is one among you whom you do not recognize. How many times do we fail to recognize the one who is among us? Often. Yeah. <laughs> Very often. Yeah. Now, I... I can't let this podcast end without talking about the other two readings this week because they're great readings. Uh, they're they're all interconnected. Yes, these are the all star readings, and I would I dare say Isaiah is probably one of your favorites. It is. It's quoted in 
Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, when Jesus goes into the synagogue at Nazareth, and he, he's given the scroll, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah. This is the part that he reads. And then after he reads it, he sits down and says, okay, folks, this is now being fulfilled because you just heard me read it. Mic drop. Mic drop, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, the passage is, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord and a day of vindication by our God. So Jesus reads this in chapter 4 of Luke's Gospel, quoting from the prophet Isaiah. It's read frequently both at an ordination and, of course, when we are studying Luke's Gospel, cycle 3, which is next year. Sure. But... Sometimes we read both at the same Mass. We read the prophet Isaiah as the first reading and Luke chapter 4 as the Gospel. Yeah. Now, it has the word, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, and I just said, okay, is, this, is, this does two things. It talks about the coming of Jesus, the anointed, the Messiah, the Christ. Mm -hmm. It also says, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. So the image of the Spirit is sure. in the first reading. It's also in the second reading. Now, in the second reading from Thessalonians, uh, there's some pretty direct instructions in here, right at the beginning. First, rejoice always. Next, pray without ceasing. And, in all circumstances, give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And the next line is the one you want to keep in mind. Do not quench the Spirit. In other words, it's like don't throw a bucket of water on the fire. The spirit is burning. <laughs> that feels like a Johnny Cash song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends, we will see you this weekend for Mass, the third Sunday of Advent. We'll see you in person or online. Do not quench the spirit. <laughs>